Welcome to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Mike Chenitz. Today we have uh, Shannon and Darren from Acorn Labs and formerly Rancher. Not a, you know, probably n nobody in Cloud Native has heard of Rancher, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. It's fun nice. to be here. Yeah, no, I'm so, I'm so glad to have you guys. You know, uh, first of all, I've always been a big fan of Rancher. Um, and uh, I really, really like what you guys are doing with Acorn. So, um, you know, I have so many different questions and so many different things to talk about. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, let's start off with, you know, wh why, why Acorn? What, what, was the, what was the catalyst? I always like to understand, like, the origin story of, like, you know, there's some kind of frustration that occurred. There's something that happened that, that you're like, you know what? I can probably create a better solution for this. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds yeah, like mean, a Darren question. That's almost well, I mean, Darren has a complaint about everything, so yeah. finding something for him to want to go fix is really the easiest problem in the world. You just sort of I mean, bump this was, into him. When we released Acorn, I kind of shared this story. It was in a in a blog or whatever. But but it was like basically during the pandemic, I wanted to set up a Minecraft server for my son. Nice. And it's like so if anyone's on I I created the project K3S. And so yeah. it's like, okay, well let me use k3s that's you know the project that created or whatever and so i i run uh k3s and i'm like i'm gonna put a minecraft server on it and then i was so frustrated with the complexity of just doing that that i'm like there's got to be a better way to do this because i ended up just dumping k3s and doing docker compose because <laughs> i'm like oh, it was easy to do that you know so um so it was really that of like it's like i'm i'm a huge fan of basically um kubernetes like the power that it has but like a kind of a huge critic of how difficult it is to use. And so it's like, I really, this is like our, I don't know, my, my attempt to, can we make this more like usable? Like, so more people can leverage the powers of Kubernetes, not have to know everything, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, so, so this is what the conversation I always have, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I've been using Kubernetes probably since the, since the early days too. And, and, the problem isn't the the containerization anymore. It's nothing like that. But you think about like what people go through to create to go from legacy first of all into yeah. into microservices. They're, they're they're just starting to learn how to get to microservices. They're learning about the dev the development process. And then as you're breaking up these things into little microservices, then you have to think about well how do I get this deployed. Mm -hmm. And part of that deployment process is, okay, let's create a YAML file for each thing. Let's create a Docker file for each thing. Let's create all these different elements. Yeah. And when, when really what I want to see is let's define an application mm -hmm. and let's connect all these different pieces to that application so that when you go to deploy, you don't have to create all these little things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when you think about it, it's like, like all of this, like all this kind of container stuff started with Docker where it was like, okay, look, I can run this application in this container. It's so easy. And then it's like, cool, well, now I want to put it on a server. And then it was like, oh, how do I do that? Yeah. And then we got Kubernetes. Yep. And it, but now it's like, oh, the effort to initially just run that container on a, on a server is now all of this stuff, all this YAML, pipelines, like Helm. You know, it's like all of these things, pieces you have to put together to just yep. – Take this container and run it on a server. You know? It seems like it should be easy, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like it, it seems, you know, like it should be a simple thing. Well, I think it's more than even just that because if you get into, let's just say you're getting going and you're not already, you haven't already built your Kubernetes, whatever you want to call it, your Kubernetes aircraft carrier, yeah. right? Yeah. Like <laughs> with all the pieces that go into the, it's like, oh, this is great. I like Kubernetes. I should go do that. Even if you go to the cloud and you get Kubernetes, it's still like, 
you have like the shell of an aircraft carrier yeah. or something. You're yeah. like, okay, great. Now, yeah. why is this not working? It's like, oh, well, you didn't put in an engine. Like, well, what do you think? You think you need an engine for an aircraft carrier? It's like, oh, yeah. what do I need to do that? Oh, it's nuclear powered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Great. So that's my next challenge is figuring out nuclear fusion. Yep. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's just layer after layer of complexity. And I think it that is. the idea of um, building you know, an integrated runtime, a runtime that kind of says, okay, well, we're just going to make sane decisions about networking and about GitOps and about, you know, service mesh, and we're going to go make some decisions. And, you know, that was kind of what made K3S pretty successful was yeah. like, we're just going to pre-decide a bunch of things and, you know, they're going to solve it for 90% of people. That's a lot of what I was most impressed at when Darren first started talking about Acorn to me. It was like, okay, I'm just going to solve all these things. Is that the first time he's, he's told you he's impressed with you? Is that, is that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was impressed with him. I, I was impressed with the product. Yeah, we, we've worked together for a while. It's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, it, <laughs> 15 years later, you know, it's yeah, like uh, marriage cool. 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but that's that's really kind of what we wanted to do. It's like with K3S, what we saw was like um, – it was just because we had kind of sane defaults in the way we packaged it, and it was kind of targeted more towards a use case or whatever, where it's like you can just easily run this, um, you know, for home lab or, you know, it was, I mean, it ended up being just everywhere. But but it's like, you know, it's like, well, can we do kind of a similar solution for the next layer up, which is the actual application? You know, it's like all the other decisions you have to make in Kubernetes, can we just put something together that, you know, just kind of does what we've seen as are all the best practices? Because it's like it's like when we're, as we're building Acorn right now, it's like we're just kind of like packaging up all the stuff we've already seen people do, um, all the best practices and stuff, and, and just kind of standardizing that. It, it's like a lot of the stuff has already been solved, but yeah. everyone has to learn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's what you know. And, and uh, you know, the, my audience is probably tired of me saying this, <laughs> but you know, I think about the, the thing I really think about all the time is. Think of somebody new coming into mm-hmm. this environment. You know, we've kind of grown with it. So we've seen the evolution and kind of followed it. As yeah. it so it's not as daunting. But think about somebody new coming into this space and saying, okay, I've heard I need containerization. I've heard of this thing called Kubernetes. Okay, yeah. what's the CSI I need? What's the CNI I need? What's the yeah. load balancer? And look at all the ecosystem that's out there and yeah. try to figure out what's actually needed. And, and what's kind of <laughs> different now too is like, it, it's like Kubernetes was, you know, kind of this new shiny cool thing it's it's not as so much any, it's like it's more it's stable and it works and yep. it's I mean, it's great for enterprise all that stuff so it doesn't have that same buzz so it's like you know people is like i have to come in and learn all this stuff mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily Without any enthusiasm, yeah. yeah like i don't have the enthusiasm for yeah. it that we <laughs> yeah. had yeah, 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 yeah. you know back in 2014 yeah yep. so so now it's just kind of like you know all this stuff you have to learn look it looks a lot more like just a burden you know. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely in order to then run a container yeah yes. like, and Which i'm doing was... all this so i can run a container yeah and, and I, I often think about that like like you know let's break it down to what you're really trying to do yeah. here like let's say you you have an application that application you're trying to break into microservices mm-hmm. and what do you want those microservices to do why do we want microservices we want them because we can easily split up the application and just change the piece that's needed and yeah. gradually move it into there we want the ability to scale Mm-hmm. And you should think about, you know, I, I tell I tell people this all the time. Think about what your end state is. What are you trying to prove out? Try and figure out if Kubernetes is even right for you. Mm-hmm. You know, try and figure out if containerization is right for you. Try and figure out if microservices yeah. are right for you. It really depends on what you're trying to do. And then figure out the technology that's easiest to, to accomplish your end result. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it today, right? I mean, at Amazon... ECS hasn't gone away. Yeah. It yeah. remains like, oh, this is a really easy way to run a container. Yeah. And, 
you know, I think there's a reason for that, that it's continued to grow quite strongly despite the growth of Kubernetes. And and I think in a lot of ways that, you know, that was what was driving us as we started working on Acorn was this idea of how do we, how do we build something that is going to sit, you know, between all of the complexity of infrastructure and the user who really, like you said, he just wants to describe an application. I just need to describe my application, describe the dependencies, you know, be able to, you know, put in some some really application logic like affinity policies or things like that, that that should sit in an application level, but not get into you know questions of configuring network and configuring OPA policies and and all of yeah. that complexity. So that's that's what we're trying to do with Acorn is an open source project that really kind of sits user first, sits yeah. developer first, sits application team first, and um, implements a lot of you know standardization behind that so that they can basically build apps and know that they're going to run anywhere that the Acorn runtime is in the cluster. Yeah, so so if you had to describe like the the top, I don't know, five challenges that you're, or even top two, whatever it is, top top challenges that that, that this is solving for people, what, what would you say to people that this is really, really solving? Or, or what, are they, what are they getting back? Is it time? Is it, you know, and what is it solving? I mean, for <laughs> me, the, the, the problem is, I mean, the problem was really obvious to me at Rancher, actually, when I was talking with all of these teams who were building layers of management on top of us. They were building Helm, like an enormous amount of process and operational complexity to just get Helm templates in the hands of users and then teach them how to use it and then bring it back to the app and then validate that they'd used it correctly and make sure that every change that went into it was still following sort of, you know, best practices, zero trust model for running an app. And I was like, everyone's building it and everyone's sort of building it and then they're rebuilding it and then they're trying to maintain it and whatever you want to call that layer that developer platform on top of kubernetes that is you know there just really wasn't a good solution for that and so you know we as open source people i think that that made a lot of sense at a business level for me i was like yep i think that's a problem everyone has i think it's a problem that people will appreciate being solved and if we can solve it in a really good way we might also be able to deliver a bit more of a car on the back end instead of just the components of a car and that's really where you know, building out the Kubernetes capabilities, I think for a lot of teams that's going to be really valuable because, you know, figuring out, you know, whether to use Istio or Linkerd, it kind of stops being interesting after some point. Sure. You just yeah. want one of them and you want it to be well implemented. Yeah. And, you know, the same with, you know, ingress controllers and the same with each component in the stack. And so, you know, what we're finding is that when we start showing people Acorn, you know, they actually want the platform to be more opinionated than, yeah. rather than less. They'd like a more opinionated stack within Kubernetes. And that's that's exciting because that means we are getting to the point where people are tired of building their own car and they just want well-built, you know, Teslas, well-built Hondas, well-built <laughs> yeah. Toyotas. I mean, it's kind of weird now, like when you think, because it's like there's so many choices within the Kubernetes ecosystem and people are effectively kind of choosing like commoditized, you know, it's like, what web server do you want to run? It's like, well, I don't really care. I just want the web server, yes. you know? And so it's like, th that's what a lot of these components are. It's like, well, I just, I just want the one that runs, you know? So it's like, if I'm AWS, I'll use all the AWS things. If I'm yeah. Azure or if I'm, you know, so there's like, like they're having to make all these choices that are kind of like, you know, they would much rather someone just make it for them. Yeah, and, and I think it's much more simplistic than that. You know, the thing is, is that, and I, and I said this before, is that developers are designed for speed. They have to get the stuff out there yeah. as soon as possible. So they're going to take the easiest path to whatever that is. So <laughs> yeah. if that's using, if you're on Amazon and you're using all Amazon, that's definitely the easiest path. Not to not to use this, you know, non-vendor lock-in, which is this like unicorn that I've, yeah. you know, yeah. never ever seen. Um, you know, and not to, uh, you know, 
they're just going to take the easiest path possible. And that's always going to be the, be the route. You know, I'm a developer. I'm going to take the easiest path. I'll be totally mm-hmm. honest. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it is. And I think yeah. if, we, if we keep for- focusing on that, it'll actually make developer products that they want to use. Right? I, it's, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Like the starting point, I think after about, I don't know, like three months in, four months in, you know, I think Darren's like, we really need to build like a, a VS Code plugin for this. We need to kind of get this even closer <laughs> to where people actually work. It's It's yeah. not about a UI. It's actually about how we're integrated with VS Code and how the CLI works because, you know, we may have to show some dashboards and we may have to show them how their app is running when it's running in production. Like, there's work that we do need to do at the UI and the the web front end layer, but the vast majority of interface is going to be through GitHub, yeah. through their, you know, their IDE and, and yeah. through the CLI. And it was, it was that kind of change of, I mean, again, kind of like thinking it the right way and in focusing on what developers actually use that allowed us to start seeing some of the the benefits because some of the really cool benefits are actually in, you know, when you get, you know, today on a laptop, I can get a really good implementation of Kubernetes running in my Docker or Rancher desktop and I can, or run K3S. And and so I can do real-time development. I can see changes that I'm making in real time and incorporate them back in and then build new images from there. And it's that sort of what's the modern cloud native developer need to be successful. And it's, it's sort of a it's an easy way to actually bring these relatively complex microservices type applications into their into their laptop to work on them to modify them to push them to start seeing them generate test environments and i think once you get those principles then like the sky's the limit you can start yeah. to really start to kind of make things better and help you know right now i think everyone's excited about the potential of generative ai and what that yeah. can do yeah, and, no, what's that? yeah exactly <laughs> and you're like oh wow you know if we're if we're bringing it closer to that then Maybe this Kubernetes interface stuff is really not where they're going to be spending their time, and they're yeah. going to be spending their time on, on building apps and and you know trying to cut that time down because yeah. speed is the key. It's always speed. It's, it's always, always speed. It's always, it's speed. always. Can we get speed, more features faster? Speed in the cost of security too. A lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's 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 another topic. But yeah, going back to what you were saying, you know. My my dev cluster is all Raspberry Pis. You know, yeah. I run K3s. Well, I did run K3s. To be totally honest, I went to K0s only because mm-hmm. you could create this nice YAML that that will install yeah. everything I want over that. But it's based on it's a fork of K3s, I think. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I won't hold it against you. Yeah, yeah. But but in terms of that, you know. That, that's that's my my dev cluster is mostly and it runs really well you know yeah. to, and it costs me nothing to have this it's it's a nice rack of Raspberry Pis it's network PoE powered and I have like a cluster <laughs> of four and it's that's great cool. <laughs> it's funny we've been just posting uh, the last three weeks we've been posting a whole blog series but about literally that it's like how to build the you know Kubernetes dev rack for yeah, yeah. you know for your home lab well, I'll take a picture in 2023 of mine and send it to you guys please exactly. do yeah <laughs> because i think a lot of people are realizing that too that they can actually kind of run this stuff locally yeah. see it all come yeah. together and um and then push and then just push to yeah. and and that should be where they as a developer that's where i want to stop like yeah. i actually yeah. would prefer to stop there i don't really want to get into <laughs> great now send me the the you know some helm chart that i need to fork and and you know copy and paste and try to build to whatever spec you know, my team is expecting. So zero trust was pretty important in Acorn. Like we had to start with an, a model because at the end of the day, it won't go anywhere if the the platform engineering team isn't confident that what's coming in is secure and is yeah. is constrained. And I think that's where where this became really obviously natural is that, you know, Kubernetes is a smashing of application and infrastructure into one thing, one CLI, you know, uh, you know, that's what I can configure with YAML. That's what I can configure with Helm is all of these stacks. And so, 
by breaking out just the application pieces, we could kind of strip away a lot of the the worst practices, right? You can just yeah. say like, those worst practices, they don't even Thank exist you. in the application yeah. universe. And you spend a lot of time on that, but I think the, the output of that is, is somewhere where we get the most excited feedback because yeah. the teams who have tried to be on the teaching side, where they're like, here's how you should write apps yeah. for our Kubernetes infrastructure that we've built for our company, they are running into, you know, it's it's a never-ending training, mo you know, kind of practice yeah. that they have it's to get like into. It's almost like you codify that now. You yeah. codify the best but practices. It's like... Um, <laughs> It's like if you look at like a Helm chart, it's kind of like it's the equivalent. Like if you ha give a Helm chart to like a, you know, somebody who's like install this on their cluster, it's like the equivalent of running a shell script. It's like you have no clue what that's going to do. Um, so it's like with, with Acorn, we wanted it to be such that it was like if someone gives you an Acorn package, like you're going to run it, you know that that's secure. Like it's not going to destroy the cluster. It can't do anything. You know, it's kind of like if you run a Docker container today. You know, you you know it's safe because unless you gave it access, it doesn't have access to anything, and so that's the same thing we wanted to do with 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 Acorn with like our application packages is that, you know, you can an admin can just basically pick it up and run it because they know, you know, it's secure by secure by default. Yeah, it basically sits in an application sandbox, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. this is what app, apps should sit here. Yeah. They shouldn't be running privileged containers, yes. right? They should yeah. not be doing things that apps shouldn't be doing, yeah. and I think that's. Yeah. That's a construct that never really existed in Kubernetes. No. It's always, you know, yeah. everything's always been the same. And I think that that will that's the root of the challenge so many people have had kind of turning this over to developers is it's, when well, you're so, done, here's here's everything. Here's yeah. Kubernetes. Go crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's always been, you know, we're just going to keep everything open so the app developer can do their job and get everything done, and we're, we'll take care of security later. And by yeah. the way, for the people that can't see it, they're listening, I'm putting up my quote fingers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the, you know, a lot of times, you know, then they get to, they get to that stage, and then they don't know what to do. They, yeah. they, they'll try and research some things. You know, a lot of people are still very, very new in this space, and, you know, and there needs to be a lot of education. So, you know, and and then they get to that, and then they're like, okay, DevOps or DevSecOps or whatever it is that you're in, uh, platform engineering or what, you know, yeah, try and figure out the security solution for this now, and and you know, do yeah. you do your vulnerability scanning? Do you have, you know, have you looked at the supply chain? Have you looked at the, you know, there's so many things to consider, and not to even mention the. You know the 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 default state of Kubernetes is more of a privileged state than a non-privileged yes. state. Yeah. So so it's like you know you have to think about all these things. And without with you know without learning a lot, you need a solution like what you guys are doing because otherwise you can make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, it's like when Kubernetes, you know, it's like when Kubernetes was first like released by Google. I don't think like their initial intention was to. It's like it was probably focused a lot more on just running workloads. Yeah. But Kubernetes became this system to actually run in infrastructure components. So it's like it just has all of these holes in it, so that you can do things like, like you know, privileged and host bind mounts and stuff. So it's like I can run CNI in Kubernetes. You know, it's like so it's like it, it became this amazing like infrastructure management platform. But that just makes it very insecure for workloads. Yeah. So it's like, so then if for workloads, you have to know like all the little holes you need to plug. Well, you think about the two big things that Kubernetes kind of effectively, I don't want to say killed, but kind of replaced in the market. It was OpenStack and Cloud Foundry, right? <laughs> yeah. And they were kind of two separate things. It was like, here's OpenStack that's mm -hmm. trying to solve infrastructure and just give you a VM. And there was all of the kind of infrastructure elements of Kubernetes. And there was Cloud Foundry, which was super opinionated. Yeah, yeah. But in that opinion, it was, you know, you didn't really think about infrastructure. You just thought about apps, and then they thought about infrastructure. And, sure. And you almost 
by killing both of those things, it kind of drug all of it into the vortex. It was like, yeah, <laughs> just keep bringing, and because it was like, oh well, you know, hey, hi, you know, I'm the networking company. Yeah. Like, Can I insert my network model into this? It was like, well. That's what you did in OpenStack, right? Yeah, that's what we did in OpenStack. Great. We'll come up with a way for you to do that in Kubernetes. And, yeah. and I think that's part of the challenge is it's not, it doesn't have that clean thing. And and maybe that's to the point of, you know, the benefit of lack of like the, like, you know, why did Kubernetes win out over something like Cloud Foundry and PaaS? It was for flexibility reasons. Like people yeah. were like, yeah. ooh, with, with, with Cloud Foundry, I'm constrained. I can only do these things. With Kubernetes, you know, anything's possible. And, I, you know, I think that's exciting, but I do think, like, now we're in the, the final stages of that, and it's like, oh, my gosh, anything's possible. Yeah. And literally anything is being done, and that complexity is killing organizations. It is. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's, I mean, it is the strength of Kubernetes. It's what makes Kubernetes, it's like, it's kind of the platform to do absolutely anything. Yeah. Um, so it's like, that is amazingly good. It's just, you know, we need to narrow it down to a specific use case so people can just be productive. Yeah. You know, and so that's what we're trying to do with, you know, kind of with Acorn. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. But, you know, the, the other side of that is that I think people are like, you know, there's a certain segment of people that are getting so fed up with Kubernetes that they're looking for things like Wasm. And they're looking for yeah. things like Nomad and, with Wasm and like, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, I, I believe, you know, it's like if somebody can't successfully build kind of like an abstraction layer or a platform on top of Kubernetes, then I think it will kind of die under this complexity of like, you know, it's like if, because basically it's just, if people can't be productive, it, it's, you know, teams continue to have to spend all this effort then they're going to look for a different solution. So it's like, and and I would like Kubernetes to succeed. I think is an amazing platform. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, so it's like you know, so I think there really needs to be a, a layer, you know, kind of a good layer above it. And it was one of the things we struggled with um, back when we were at Rancher was that at that time it's like users were very convinced that they needed to touch kubernetes directly have raw access to kubernetes like that's what i need yeah and it's like well you know it's complicated but it's like now that people have experienced kind of all the pain points i think people are a lot more open to you know what if there's you know an abstraction layer on top of it you know like actually build do what it was intended to do which is build you know use it to build a platform like it it was always designed to have something above it that would actually be, you know, the user would interface with that system, and that system can interface with Kubernetes. No. So, wait, so when you were designing Rancher, was was the idea to for people like that are either just getting into to Kubernetes or people maybe that were in IT ops and wanted to get into DevOps? Like, what was the what was the thought there? And then I'm going to ask that other question: is like, who is who is it in Acorn too now? Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for, I mean, it was interesting with, with Rancher. It was quite a journey because we had a product, we had Rancher 1.0 and what was really popular with Rancher 1.0 was cattle. And that was our own orchestration system. Mm -hmm. And that was much more focused on the end user of running containers. So it was like helping people run containers. When we did Rancher 2.0, which was like our kind of our big mm -hmm. pivot to Kubernetes, um, everything changed. And honestly, it was a little hard for me to adjust to this change where it was like, our goal was no longer helping people run containers it was helping people run kubernetes clusters so it was like everything kind of changed and like now the target was was you know it was more the admins running clusters you know it's it was the it you know departments it was not the application teams the end users anymore and so it's like with rancher we spent so much time basically just helping people run the infrastructure yeah, yeah. not the actual end end application yeah. And, and what about with Acorn? Who's who do you think's consuming? And and because I think the consumer and the people deploying it are probably different, or could yeah. be different. You know, 
So, I, don't, I mean, I'll give my answer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Shannon <laughs> might have a different one. <laughs> and the, and the most, the both, uh, by the way, when you're designing products, and I know this from, from where I am, we, we might all be wrong about this. And it yeah. might be someone totally different, but, you know. Because I think that the interesting thing with, with Acorn is, like, it's quite a challenging product or solution to solve because i have to satisfy both sides it's sure. like the more like the admin the the you know the you know it or whatever they have to be happy with it and then also the end user the developer has to be happy with it so it's like they're both kind of the you know on one hand it's it's a platform that somebody can run to give to their app teams but then i have to make the app team happy to they, they actually want to use it and consume it so it's kind of we're, we're sitting on both kind of both sides um, yeah, know. I mean, that, I think that's right. I think what we're we're certainly seeing that you know inside most organizations, I would expect that you know the people who are feeling this problem are the platform engineering teams who have sure. to kind of bring people on. But um, you know, where we see actually a lot of uh, we're going to be launching a SaaS service, you know, in the next couple of months that that kind of takes all the back end away and sure. just provides this to teams that are you know that are maybe in smaller companies or maybe getting going. But I do think that. You're gonna find a lot of teams that just want to consume Kubernetes and, and without having to have a platform engineering team and yeah. without having to have, you know, someone whose job it is to think about all this stuff and just say, okay, well, this looks like a good implementation on top of Amazon. Great, I'll take that because I know I want to be an Amazon and I want Kubernetes and I want it well integrated. So, I think you're gonna see, you know, for some for large organizations where yes, they have platform engineering, and they've invested a ton in what Kubernetes looks like. At least initially, those teams will be sort of putting this stuff on top, and it'll be in the places where they don't have that luxury and they don't have the band, you know the resources to put towards having you know a bigger team on platform than they even have an app sometimes that that there'll be a lot of movement towards just give me it just give it to me as a saas give it to me for or as a cloud service or let me just consume it in the same way you know kind of as like EKS where it's like or ECS like it's like great that's good enough for me I'll take that I don't really want to think about it and this one has the nice benefit of It'll run great in the cloud, and then if you want to move it somewhere else, it's just native. You know, yeah. it runs perfectly on any Kubernetes. So the portability of it across, you know, kind of simplicity and then portability is what we're hoping will get uh, adoption and drive people to sort of say, yeah, that's great. It fits our needs. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I've been following this very closely, but unfortunately because of, like, you know, recession that we've had re recently and VC kind of drying out now the big banks, you know, obviously, <laughs> a little bit scary. Um, you know, what that's done, you know, obviously uh, there's been a tremendous amount of layoffs in, in, in our community and uh, there's been a lot of projects that have been killed and things like that. The, the thing that I think I'm seeing is that these, you know, big companies who have these PhDs or even smaller companies that had teams of people that could support all these open source products and kind of stitch mm -hmm. them together, you're seeing that they're not really... As, as enabled to do that anymore. And that, that probably a lot of companies are looking for more supported solutions these days because they're finding that, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is you know, uh, either you don't know who to trust because they may fall out or, mm -hmm. or you know, there, there has to be a lot more trust these days. And yeah. I'm wondering if you're seeing that in, in, the, in the... Well, I can tell you as the, <laughs> um, you know, as, as somebody who is responsible for ranchers business, I, I certainly... <laughs> Have been it's been a nice thing here how many people have come to me that are huge open source users of rancher sure. saying like yeah we, we really need to talk to Sousa. we need to <laughs> we need to move this thing from you know kind of internal community supported thing to a commercial product that has uh, you know a support number we can call because our team is now half what it was and, and yeah. the big difference is like you know eight years ago six years ago people were just so excited i think kubernetes is like the first time people could go build their own car 
yeah, and it yeah. was and it was generally free. It was the opposite. Like if you're a gearhead, you're like, oh wow, I could go assemble my own car from whatever pieces I want. Yep. And I think for a lot of infrastructure engineers, that's what Kubernetes was. And they're like, wow, I could pick exactly how I want the network and exactly how I want the security model. And and so people did it, and they kind of built a lot of their own cars. And you know, a lot of those people have moved on to other things that are interesting yes. to them. And now it's like, hey, what are you driving? Well, I'm driving a John. What's a, what's a John? Well, it's built by John. <laughs> like, where do I get that supported? Well, ideally John, but John yeah. doesn't work John here Lyle. anymore. So yeah. my John is much harder to drive yeah. than my Honda. My Honda, yeah. <laughs> it's not as cool as the John. It's not as unique. Yep. But that's I, like, a, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Driving a John is not the way. Yeah. And so, and I think that's I think that's great news for you know people like Rancher because you know it's, it's already powering a lot of people's Kubernetes infrastructure. But you know now they're kind of realizing that you know working with a vendor, working with people who've actually built it and are supporting thousands of other people doing it has advantages and and will certainly allow. You know, it's probably a lot less expensive than run, building your own support function and your yeah. own engineering function around right. this stuff. I mean, I really, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how this platform engineering trend, like, plays out because it's like, you know, basically the everyone's identifying you need to build these platforms, but that's kind of a very expensive operation. I mean, that's a, that's a quite an undertaking. So it's like you're going kind of like the most difficult and expensive route possible. So it's like, you know, I'll be in, 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 you know, given the timing of everything, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we saw too over the, <laughs> like, I think about the second half of Rancher, and you know, there was, you know, there was the IT adoption of of Kubernetes, which was pretty consistent. Sure. And it was like, you know, still a lot of people building their own Johns, right, and yeah. building their own <laughs> things. But you know, by the end, it started to all look the same. But then you started having the the, the wave of Kubernetes moving into the edge, moving. Sure. And there, you know, you are a little bit more like, okay, well, we're building a spaceship. We're not exactly building, you know, a car, and so we do need to do some of our own custom engineering to make this, you know, to make it work in every single restaurant or yeah, make yeah. it work in satellites or make it work on tanks. You know, it's like, okay, I get how Kubernetes in those places might require you to think about things a little differently. But again, most people aren't doing that. They shouldn't be building, you know, space stations. They shouldn't be building, yeah. you know, space shuttles. They should just be buying cars and, and kind of building a more consistent experience. You mean I shouldn't design my own Tesla? That's, that's probably <laughs> yeah. not out of my house. That's but not... if you could, wouldn't you? I mean, that's <laughs> yes, the thing. I, if you were gearing, you're absolutely like, hey, would. <laughs> you have unlimited budget and yes. you can design your own Tesla. There was, there was like, that, yeah. that guy that like 3D printed uh, like a Lamborghini for his, kid, for his kid or something like that. <laughs> I never looked it up. It was like oh my in gosh. California somewhere. He actually, his, his job he had like a professional like 3D printer yeah. and would design and actually designed it and 3D printed his own car. Yeah. So there is actually one guy that has done that <laughs> because he could. Well, it's probably all, like I imagine every F1 it, team though? has can, somebody can I doing bring that. It to yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working, Dad. <laughs> That's fine as long as Dad's still around. Yes. Was, when you have a falling out with your dad, yes. now you're really like, oh, man. Remember when I used to be able to drive my own Lamborghini? <laughs> Yeah, it's you know I think we're just heading there, and that's why you know thing like cloud-based Kubernetes has continued to grow in popularity. It's great to get it from Amazon or Google or wherever yeah, somebody yeah. else is going to maintain it. But even today, most of those things are just like they're like the shell of an aircraft carrier. They're still not even like a fully you know fully realized implementation of what you're kind of expecting as an app user. As an app yeah. user, you're usually like, well, I, I'd kind of expect the service mesh to be there. I expect these yeah. you know to be able to figure out all of the the pieces. So I think yeah. we're heading in that direction, and it'll it'll you know, two or three more years, I think it's going to look a little different than it does now. Yeah, sure. I absolutely, yeah. Th I absolutely think so. And I think that, you know, as this group here, especially in the cloud native community, we we often forget that the job is to deploy the application. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, and and what is the application needs? You know, yeah. and I think that's that's 
you know, it's starting to come circle now. You know, it was the shiny object, all this stuff. And there's a lot of, there's still a lot of shiny objects around the ecosystem. But I think it has to come back to, like, what's the need of the application? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you look, it's like when I started my career in tech or whatever, it's like the, the, uh, the the technology at the time was basically copying a PHP file, you know, yeah. onto an FTP <laughs> server. That was your deployment was copying the yeah. file to the FTP, you know. And it's like, look at where we are now. It's like, I mean, we've built these amazing distributed systems, but it's also very difficult to run these amazing distributed systems. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to consider. I mean, you really, you know, you're you're taking a legacy application and you're bringing it into microservices. Now, you, now the network's your your operating system. So yeah. how is that going to perform? Is it designed to perform that way? Yeah. You know, and and have you tweaked everything the right way to make it perform in that in that way and i'm sure that acorn probably does a lot of that it sounds like it does a lot of that for you like like the, the best practices for things yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that's what we're trying to do we're trying to build the toyota for developers like okay this is a really good implementation it'll probably yeah. work for the vast majority of you yeah you know, if you're building a spaceship you probably might still want to use you <laughs> know go build your own thing i mean there's just it's like you know kubernetes has kind of been around enough and people have used that that there's like very distinct patterns on how to do things yeah. there's like best practices and you know so it's like that's what we're trying to do with acorn is it's just like well, there's already best practice on how to do this. If you want to do continuous delivery or whatever, you know, it's like there's already good components and stuff out there. You know, we just want to basically kind of package that up or, or you know, make it very easily, you know, consumable so you don't have to discover that best practice yourself and actually implement it and, and everything. And yeah. it'll keep changing. I mean, that's yeah. the nice thing too is like if you're, by focusing on a layer, you're able to say like, okay, well, let's see what changes at the infra layer and, yeah. and consume that. And that's, exciting i think that's one of the reasons when you talk to a lot of orgs that have built this themselves they've had to go rebuild it and rebuild it because you know when they built the first version there wasn't an opa and or yeah. you know when they yeah. built the first version they didn't really think through signing images or scanning yeah, yeah. images and stuff and so you know i imagine that that'll be the same challenge we have as acorn will be continuously monitoring and looking but by doing it as an open source project i think it gives us a lot of room to you know to kind of continue to do that do it in the open and yeah. you know potentially see contributions, see people that, you know, are doing interesting things and, and seeing them want to incorporate that into the community. Um, I'm always pleasantly surprised about what comes out of out of the community because somebody, as smart as everybody is, there's always somebody that's taking a different thought or has a different problem to solve. Uh -huh. And they're always contributing to it. And it's it's amazing to see. And that's why I love coming here, honestly, is because it's not all the all the tech and everything, but it's 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 just bumping into people and trying to and learning about like what what they're doing with this stuff. That's yeah. that's so interesting. I mean it's it's amazing now with open source where it's like really honestly the best technology is is in open source. You Absolutely. know, it, it wasn't that way, you know, yeah. twenty years ago or whatever, mm -hmm. where you, you would get like the crappy version of <laughs> of something, you know. So it's Star like, Office. Yeah. Star <laughs> Star 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 that was Star immediately what I was like. That's Star immediately jumped to my head. Yeah, I haven't, Star. I haven't thought about that in years. <laughs> oh, since. man. Star sorry, sorry for anyone who worked, <laughs> worked on Star. Star. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Like, the best technology is out there, and, it, and it's um, to see what kind of, like, the community produces. It's it's fun. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I come from the days of where, where I ran BBSs. So, you know, yeah. that's a long time ago, you yeah. know. That, that was where I got my start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just had WWIV and then <laughs> and things like that, which probably people don't even know today. So Yeah. <laughs> it's been – I mean, I will say we were talking about this on the way over here, but this – you know, it's really exciting to be here in Europe again for the first time in a while. Um and the scale of, of this KubeCon has been really impressive. You know, you talk Absolutely. about being impressed by the, by, the, by the community, but having been in Detroit and then coming mm -hmm. here, 
it's dramatically more energetic right now. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? I felt like yeah, Detroit was still felt like it was maybe yes. a bit of a COVID hangover or whatever, yeah, but yeah. it didn't I, I have the, the energy way. and it felt yeah. like, it also felt like like the innovation had really slowed down. Like I was like, wow, there's just not that much interesting stuff being announced yeah. or worked on. And for whatever reason, I feel a lot more optimistic, um, yeah. you know, yeah. after a couple of days here. Yeah. yeah. What do, I mean, what do you guys, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to walk around or not. Have you seen a lot of things, anything that you've really been interested in or that kind of caught your eye or, you know or trends or anything I haven't like had much chance because yeah. I've been, we have been yeah, slammed, we but it's stuck, yeah, yeah. stuck at the booth. Or whatever. But what's <laughs> cool has been the, the users. I would say like yeah. the big thing that's impressive is the people like coming, like kind of finding us and coming in, but just, I don't know, like there just it seems to be like um, a ton of pragmatism, a ton of enthusiasm, like yeah. people that have been at this for a little while. I think the fact that, you know, they announced in the first day that like 60% of the people here first time, it, it shows. Like there's yeah. a lot of people who are excited to be working on it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you get the same impression. Yeah, just no, feel I definitely like, so. And, like so many smart people. Like I just yeah, was like, yeah, gosh, yeah. They, you know, I was really but excited. But I like that the, 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 the pragmatism. It's like, you know, it's like people are just, they're just trying to accomplish something yeah and you know so it's like you know it's not the the hype or whatever it's like okay this this does provide you know running kubernetes does provide value you know so it's like you know i i, I want to do this it, it, how do i do this in the easiest way possible yeah. you know it's like i don't want to deal with all this other stuff but you know i, I do want kubernetes it's still a, a net win <laughs> And I, I do think that's kind of, you know, I, I think I, maybe this is a bad thing, but I think Europeans are a little bit more pra pragmatic than, than us Americans, you know, and, and in general. <laughs> I think that might be. Maybe. I, 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 don't, I don't know, know about maybe. I think everyone. I, <laughs> I think the thing, in at least in Detroit, I felt like there was a, like a relatively small, um, the vast majority of people seem to work for really large companies. And so there was maybe that sort of what dries up innovation in something that's been around five or six, seven, eight years, because it's yeah. gotten to the point where almost like we're VMware, where it's like, well, this is just the way it's done. And we're, yeah. you know, yeah. getting it to change is nearly impossible now because we're running 100,000 containers. So it could be that, you know, Europe is always a little more decentralized. All these countries, they yeah. all have banks, they all have railroads, they all have retail organizations. So, and, you know, you, you don't have that sort of centralization that the U.S. has. There's really only, I mean, these days are probably only like five big food retailers in the whole U.S. and, you know, five big banks and so many, yeah, yeah. you know, there's only a couple airlines left. We're here there's dozens of, of everything. And yeah, so you have yeah. a lot more, you know, things are maybe a little bit smaller, but they're a little more innovative and they, or they've got yeah. more room for innovation. I don't yeah. know. I, I enjoyed I it, that. though. I yeah. feel that here. Yeah. Do you get out much? Or you, you've been in here a lot, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. You've been, like, sitting I mean, around. This, this, this is my, my, my back wall for, for, for every day that yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, as founders, I, I will say that my favorite thing over all the years has been coming to these conferences year after year. This is, you know, we've been to every one of the KubeCons and every yeah. one of the DockerCons before that. And, you know, going in the booth as somebody trying to figure out what to build, it's like there's no better time than the flight home when you're sitting by yourself and just thinking about everything you heard from yep. people and all the things you said that people looked at you weird, like, that doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing yeah. that? And you're like, yeah, you're right. We were probably doing that. I remember when we went to Berlin, the KubeCon in Berlin with Richard. Oh, my gosh. And we were like, oh, my gosh, we have built totally the wrong product. Oh, yeah. like we were, that was, that a, was depressing. Oh, that was yeah. a very like, wow. depressing flight. Wow, we really have to fix yeah. this thing yeah. to make it relevant. And, but it, it is. Like, I was, you know, whenever I'm talking to other people that are trying to start companies or entrepreneurs, I'm like, like, whatever you're doing, make sure you schedule a couple conferences a year and then don't delegate. Like you need to stand there. You need to convince people to come into your booth, and then you need to pitch it, and you need to be rejected yes. and told like, "Why would I do that? I'm already yeah. using this other thing." Or yeah. because it, it, there's no like, there's very few chances you get to actually talk to. Yeah. I don't know. We've talked to a thousand people in two days. Like, how many chances do you get to do that and then learn from it? You know, kind of 
question your assumptions and yeah. build something better. And that's that's the key there, though. I mean, I think as you as you get to be a bigger company, and the, you know, it's it gets harder and harder to continue listening to the customers. Mm-hmm. At some point, big companies start to think that, you know, oh, we know better, and and really that never is true. Exactly. As, as, yeah. as a person that is a you know in product marketing, you know, I. I always listen to the customer and I, I, I have opinions, but I validate, I validate them, you know, and I think the hardest part is trying to figure out like, who is the right audience to trust to figure out what your product's doing. There's a lot of people that have opinions, yeah. but then, you know, how do you correlate that and how do you try and figure out like, what is the right approach and then how do you stack rank those things, you know? I mean, don't, <laughs> wouldn't you say that over, I mean, Give him credit. Darren is not the most extroverted person. I'm extroverted. He's introverted, right? But I, every, he's come every time and always stood there and listened and talked. And, and I do think like customers are great, but I actually would argue that non-customers are even better because non-customers have made other choices. Well, yeah. like they've chosen Why to do something else. Like well, they're yeah. not using your product. They're yeah. using something else. Like, well, you know, at Rancher, you talked to them and they're using OpenShift. You're like, well, what? what do you like about OpenShift? Yeah. Why are you doing that? And you learn things, and you learn things that are good about those things. You learn things that they hate about it. Yeah. You you learn how to build a better product, a better business. Yeah. And um, I would argue, like you know, quite honestly, if even even at the scale of VMware, you know, the CEO would benefit from standing in a booth yeah. a couple times a year <laughs> at a place like this and just trying to talk to people and learn what they yeah. feel about it. And, you know, I, I guarantee if the Broadcom CEO came <laughs> oh and stood gosh. in the VMware booth, they would hear things that they might help them sort of, yes. you know, make some decisions. And, yeah. and I know at Sousa, I was having that same conversation. I was like, no, you really need to go stand in there and listen because, you know, it's easy to say all this stuff inside, and the walls get bigger and bigger as the company. You work yeah. at Cisco; they yeah, get yeah. bigger and bigger yeah. the bigger the company is. Yeah. And it's like, no, you got to. Unfortunately, you got to break out. You yeah. got to go stand there and listen and learn. And it's certainly been uh, the key for us. I, I would highly I feel, recommend. I feel it. like that's the key, though, is is being approachable and 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 being humble and being being you know being okay with 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 people having different opinions about it and yeah. and learning and taking an approach for that. You know, I think that's the key. I mean, yeah. there's no entrepreneur that isn't wrong. I mean, like we're yeah. always wrong. I would yeah. say, like, I mean, maybe maybe Elon Musk is generally not wrong. But most <laughs> yeah. of us are wrong more often than we're right. And you're kind of like, yeah, we think this is gonna be great. It's like, yeah, no, that's not great. That's not good at all. And it just helps a lot to get that, re- you know, that feedback quickly. Like the yeah. problem is usually you have to go through a whole sales cycle to find out that a person doesn't want to buy your stuff. And <laughs> here you can find out in two minutes. Yeah. Oh, they don't like this at all. And I yeah. can't even explain it in a way in two minutes. So yeah. you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, we, we, we are getting towards the end here, so so I do want to, you know, any last comments or, or, or pieces of pieces of advice, wisdom, anything? Try Acorn. <laughs> Acorn, yeah. go download yeah. it. Play with it. Let us know why I you hate you, it. I've already started, started yeah. looking at it, and I'm really, you know, intrigued by it. So <laughs> Yeah, we just want people to try it out and let us know if it's yeah. uh, good um, or bad. Join the Slack the, community. The, the bad feedback is is is, is yeah. almost more useful. Yeah, we'll send that. you a hat for bad. Feedback. Yeah, we'll send you a mug for bad yeah. feedback. If you like it, you know that's great too. The, your best hot take on why it's terrible. Yeah, and where can people find you guys? Where can people, you know, either personally or through the company, or, or you know, what, what, what do you want people to know? Darren, you can find on Twitter. He's yeah. always on I'm, Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Quite and a bit. Uh, what, what's your handle? I build, I the, build the cloud. I build yeah. the cloud. So you can find Darren on Twitter. I'm on Twitter too, um, but mostly I'm on LinkedIn. And stuff yeah, easier yeah. to find me there and chat yeah. more so 
Well, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you so much. And, and obviously, they can find you on Ag- is it acorn.com or acorn.io. Acorn.io. I.O. is yeah. where all the cool kids are these days, you know. Yeah. Late to the domain <laughs> game is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Mike, again. thanks for having us. This yeah. is so much fun. Yeah, Congrats absolutely. on this podcast. It is fantastic. You yeah, do a great thanks job. Thanks so much. Thanks so great much. Job. <laughs> all right. I can talk to you.